You have landed on The Substance, a podcast aiming at being biblical, thoughtful, and human. Howdy, y'all. I'm your host, Trevor Aiken, and I'm joined by my two partners, Philip Marinello. I'm, I'm not playing a part of this bit. You were supposed to say howdy. <laughs> supposed to say howdy, bro. Say howdy. Say howdy. And Vincent Edwards. Howdy, howdy. Don't ever say I'm not a team player here, guys. <laughs> All right, this goes in the books. All right, welcome to another Substantive Reflects. It's been a while. We've yes. had a lot of great guests. We've Dude. done a bunch of movies. Mm-hmm. The topic toss-ups have been popping off because you guys have been sending us a lot of good questions. Want to continue to encourage you guys. This one's going to be a heavy one. I'm sure mm-hmm. there are mm-hmm. things during this episode that will come to your mind or questions or comments we or, want those questions for yeah. sure send them to us 100 send those emails Ma- drop those make comments note, tag us make a note it. in your phone or open up the show notes we got all of our social media there and our email address there fire up fire off a tweet at us uh follow us on instagram send us a dm or a comment on this podcast um post um send us a suggestion of hey you guys talked about this i wasn't sure what you meant it, when it occurs to you, do that. We really do try to make this stuff for you guys and really enjoying mm-hmm. uh, growing with you. And kind of along that note, we haven't read these in forever. And some of you guys have been writing really good reviews. So we wanted to highlight a couple of those here. Jake says, the Substance team curated some very interesting discussions on a variety of topics. And they do so with, wait for it, Substance. Hey. Definitely a show to subscribe to if you like thinking my better. Kind of guy. Um, another one, Angry Toast. Shout out to the <laughs> Angry Toast over there. Right. Says, interesting and engaging. As a youth minister, this podcast brings strong biblical truth for the new or more mature believer. Many good insights here and able to be shared with my youth group. That's awesome. That's really cool. Um, wow, nice. I just heard from, I talked to my buddy a little while ago who um, I remember was using some of our earlier episodes for discussion in one of his classes. So that's always cool. I'll read one more from Hannah. Hannah's been like, a super great fan on Instagram. She's interacting all the time there. Uh, she says, I'm really glad Brett McCracken shared the Substance podcast on Twitter. Shout out to Brett. We, we actually will be shouting out Brett later today in this episode. There so that's yeah. tie in there. Uh, great stuff on here. Each episode dives deep into a specific topic, such as film, politics, or a tough question. There's a good diversity of engaging and insightful discussions that center on faith, theology, and culture. Uh, yesterday, I finished the first Reformed episode. Uh, Thank you, and we're sorry. That was our very first (laughs) substantive cinema. That was a great discussion. Um, She said she wanted to rewatch the film with some of the uh, points and theories that we brought up. You should definitely check out this podcast. So that was just a couple. um, (laughs) Oh yeah, I had some crazy theories on that, didn't I? Mm, Did you? you? Yeah, I think I had some pretty crazy ones. I explained the ending to you. Yeah, you did. So we've got a diversity of expertise here. And Trevor, we've been talking about. You're kind of the architect of this episode, Trevor. We've been talking about doing this for a while. We covered some of the Christians who are banging the drum on social media of anti-wokeness. Sure. We've covered CRT, but one of the things that you have kind of, I think, very rightly brought up, one of the big parts of the whole race discussion and social justice discussion is racism and particularly yeah. systemic racism. Yeah, it's it's definitely been on my heart, and I do think that it's the elephant in the room in a lot of these discussions. When you hear people talking about CRT or, like, I, it's the unspoken thing and what defines wokeness, um, like what we were talking about in our you anti-woke episode. a couple of different tweet threads mm. and articles to me that I had already seen. But then when you said, hey, take a look at this through the lens of the linchpin of this really is the denial of systemic racism. And there are a couple particular ones I remember. I was like, oh, hey, mm-hmm. there it is. 
Yeah. I even brought up today, uh, me and Vince were talking before the episode a little bit about why this matters so much. And the statement on social justice going all the way back to some of our earliest episodes. Yeah. 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 This whole idea of like, if we just teach that we're all equal and forget about race, then everything will be better, right? And what's interesting is that this statement that's explicitly teaching that, and we've talked before about the article statement that says, we reject any teaching that encourages racial groups to view themselves as entitled victims of oppression. As if there are no victims of oppression who are entitled to anything under the gospel. Right, within racial groups. So... So it's, a, it, it's an explicit denial, and they put this statement alongside the statement on biblical inerrancy and the statement on biblical manhood and womanhood as important. So what, we're, what me and Vince were talking about is, is in some ways, in some, in some true ways, the denial of the existence of systemic racism is kind of a core doctrine for fundamentalism. Well, and that's, we, we talked about that yeah. before, but the statement on inerrancy was saying positively we affirm XYZ about the Bible. The statement on biblical manhood and womanhood is we are, we are affirming biblically XYZ about um, man and woman as God created them. This is like, mm-hmm. don't talk about this. We don't think it exists. Right. I don't want to be sensationalistic by saying it's a core issue in that kind of way, but it does just seem to be something that is widely held and not talked about. And so we just wanted to explore that, like what is going on, and that's part of why this matters. So yeah, let's kind of start there, Trevor. Why, why does this topic matter? I think as people, like you've talked about, as people who care about loving our brothers, as people who care about truth, mm-hmm. those things matter. That absolutely matters, because we have to understand that all truth, the source of all truth is Christ. So mm-hmm. we as believers, it's, it's so important that we are seeking to be on the side of truth because Christ is on the side of truth, mm-hmm. because he is the source of truth. And to get where we're saying that there is no truth in our discussion of systemic racism conditions us to, in a, in a lot of ways, avoid truth. Yeah. 100%. And so we have to kind of think of those consequences. Yeah. And we kind of talked about this before in our news and sources episode, but when we talk about truth, like the Bible is ultimate truth. At the same time, there are facts in the world and there is objectivity. There are facts, guys. And You've heard it here yeah. and it's true. Spread the word. <laughs> yeah. So that's where we kind of want to base things. And so when it comes to America and race and systemic racism, the fact of the matter is that there is a difference between the average white experience and the average black experience in the world. And we'll get into what that even means, what those terms mean. Mm-hmm. But just to give some anchoring to that, I can't say it any better than how Bradley Mason has said it in his article here. He really just has a paragraph of information, and we're going to link to it in the show notes, but every single line of the paragraph is backed by multiple studies. So a ton of great data to dig into here, but just let, just let this data hit your mind for a second. And we're going to talk about the why behind this in a little bit, because I think that's, we don't want to leave it at just the what, but for now, just listen to what Bradley had to say here. Get hit by this data. Economists, sociologists, and statisticians have provided reams of data scientifically gathered and peer-reviewed registering vast society-wide disparities between black and white Americans. 
following the Civil War, the abandonment of Reconstruction, and a hundred years of both legal and de facto nationwide Jim Crow. The results are clear. The average white child is born into a family with 10 to 20 times the wealth of his black peer, is twice as likely to live through infancy, two and a half times as likely to live in a two-parent household, though he'll likely spend less time with his father than his black peer, is much more likely to go to a well-funded, academically superior school, is more likely to be put into advanced coursework as opposed to remedial or special needs coursework regardless of ability. The white child is likely to live in de facto segregated neighborhoods, attend de facto segregated schools, and worship in de facto segregated churches. He's much more likely to make it to college without being incarcerated, even if he commits the same or similar crimes as his black peer. He's much more likely to graduate from college, is much less likely to be shot and killed by a police officer, is more likely to secure a job even with precisely the same resume, and is likely to be paid more for the same work, is likely to accumulate three times the net worth of his black peer, is likely to have significantly more wealth mobility, while his black peer is more likely to spend what he has to care for his aging parents. He is much more likely to own a home, will likely have greater access to health care, and the care his black peer does receive is likely to be lower quality, and in the end, the white child is even likely to outlive his black peer. Shoot. Shout out to Bradley Mason. Yeah. And like I said, please go check out that article if you want to see the studies that are behind all of those statements. Like he said, scientifically gathered, peer-reviewed studies. The type of asset we want to be to the church and to the world is important to establish how we determine validity and right. truthfulness. Right. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Now, folks are going to have questions. For example, what does he mean? What does he mean by race? What, what is he talking about? Black, white? Like, okay, yeah, you can make up these categories, but what does that matter? Race isn't real, Philip. I agree. The whole, the whole thing, like whenever people go on the soapboxes of like, oh, we're all the same race, we're humans. We're like, yeah, we are. So why do people literally based on like the pigmentation of their skin are getting like a terrible, terrible deal? Mm -hmm. It either has to be. They are inherently worse, or we've got some issues with our society. Hmm. Yeah, and we've seen those. We like you talked about. There's there's a lot of data, factual studied data that supports the fact that there are disparities, significant disparities between individuals in that social construct of race. Mm -hmm. um, so it's it's not a denial that race is a social construct, but it's one that has been utilized to categorize groups of individuals and in a lot of ways the data points to advantages and disadvantages for certain race groups yeah, yeah we want to be clear we absolutely affirm that race is a social construct right yes. like we're, yeah we're not oh, yeah. saying there's anything inherently different a biological about genetic thing of course black not. and brown and white folks like there's nothing different inherently about folks yeah it's just the color of their skin and the things that we have decided to do in mm -hmm. history explicitly and implicitly to treat folks differently based on this very random thing. Right. And I think it's important to note the difference because a lot of people get confused between race and ethnicity. Race is something that society assigns to you. Ethnicity 
is your culture, is your heritage, is sure. your ancestry. I'm an Italian-American. Right. I have olive-ish skin when it's sunny outside. Yeah. But, like, Italian is pointing to your My heritage, ancestry, your yeah. ancestry. Black and white are these broad categories that they're assigned to a person. They don't actually exist in any kind of ancestry way. Like, you're not born black. Like, Vincent, you, you're, you would be categorized racially as a black guy. But, like, that's not your ethnicity. Right. I don't know what my ethnicity is, but... Yeah. But that's also not to deny and say that there's not, there's not a black culture that is real and has value as well. Right. And I think where that, that kind of disconnect happens is my ancestors, because I do know that my ancestors are from Africa, specifically where. I don't know because of the history of coming to America as a slave and being indoctrinated with Western culture, I don't know where I come from. So mm. Black, even though race is a social construct, being a Black man or African American is about as close as I can get mm. to my ethnicity because I don't have, I, I can't, I, I don't know, you know, I can't just go in a, in a, in a family book or a photo album and just see my great-grandfather or great-great-great-grandfather or yeah. anything like that because I, I don't know where I'm from. I don't know where my, my ancestors were taken from, so I can't pinpoint that. So black works best. That's a huge point, too, about the destructive force that race is and why race exists. The reason why do we categorize people in these ways? It really, if you dig into the history of race, and there's some really great resources on this. I know Ibram Kendi's book, How to Be an Anti-Racist, we've talked about that before. He goes into this 400 years ago. It came up as justifications for the slave trade. And, and this is sort this, of stuff that we talked about a little bit with Robert P. Jones when he was talking about his episode. Yeah. Mm -hmm. This isn't ancient history. Mm -hmm. A generation-ish ago, pastors were using the Bible and the construction of race to oppress people. Mm -hmm. and to preach literal sermons against desegregation. Right. And like three or four or five generations ago, those pastors were preaching sermons saying the Bible is for slavery. Mm. Yeah. And the same thought now is saying like, wokeness should get kicked out of your church. Don't mm -hmm. talk about this or else you're being divisive and wicked. Yeah. Yeah, like, mm. that's kind of like that Twitter thread it's I posted same a while back, yeah. like directly correlating some of the arguments that like, are made today with pro-slavery. the exact same, arguments. same things. Yeah, as that were being made in the 1850s. So, yes, these categories of humanity, these are an invalid categorization. But it's not enough to just say, oh, these are an invalid categorization, and so we should just move on and pretend these categories were never created and never existed. Because that's the rub, right? So right? people with platforms are saying, yeah, race doesn't exist. It's a social contract. We say, true. And then they go, B, therefore, don't talk about it. Nobody's a victim. Everything's equal. Let's just move on. You guys are distracting from the gospel. We'll be like, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. But what about all of the true things out there yeah. where people are actually experiencing real, they're real victims of oppression yeah. because of this made this of social This illegitimate structure. thing. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. This is an illegitimate thing that people actually made, it, made up and then actually started treating people as, and they started doing that for a reason. And that reason was economic. That reason was 
greedy. They wanted to be able to justify the way that they were going to exploit it's, it, the exploitation these bodies, of, like human, these human resources. people, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. for their own gain. And so we need to be on the lookout for ways, especially if we've never seen a moment where that kind of ideology has been repented of since it was so ingrained, even as we've seen in the Robert P. Jones episode, in our history, in our theology. We want to think about that. Okay, now that we understand probably a little bit better and hit us with questions if you have more, but now you've got the basics down of these, these categorizations, these ways of putting humans into a hierarchy and then valuing them differently based on this made-up hierarchy to justify exploitation. What then is racism? We hear a lot about racism. We hear systemic racism. How do we want to define racism, particularly in the systemic sense? Because we've both heard sermons, mm-hmm. all of us have heard sermons, where mm-hmm. the sin of racism is preached against, and what is actually being preached against is the sin of an individual human person's prejudice against another right. individual human person, which yeah. nobody's arguing with. Well, and it's kind of presented like, if you don't actively hate black people, and if you if you don't actively believe that they are that there is a less value there, oh, if I thought you, you were don't, going like the uh, the curse, or yeah, something. or yeah, or the curse. Hand, like if you if you Oof. reject all those concepts, then you're not racist. Yeah. If you you know if you don't use the n word, if you treat all people the same, then racism doesn't exist yeah, for you. If you personally right? don't have hate bubbling up in your heart when you see someone with a different skin color, then you're good, and we're all good, and we should all shut up and move on to the gospel. Yeah. Is, is that true? <laughs> no, it's not. So, Trevor, you're, you're the better one with the definitions. Yeah. How would you like to frame the idea of systemic racism for the rest of this discussion here? Once you understand what race is, the idea of racism becomes pretty simple. Race is the invalid categorizing of humans according to these kind of characteristics, right? The way people appear, appearance characteristics, in such a way as to justify exploiting certain groups of people for the benefit of a different group of people, right? To, cat- to rank and categorize people. So then, if that's what race is, then racism is any ideology, policy, personal hatred, bigotry, any of those things that serves to reinforce that, to continue to create it, and to allow it to continue to exist. And on the other hand, repenting of it would look like doing things to recognize where it exists and taking action to deconstruct it, to mm-hmm. return value back and to get that categorization undone. I do appreciate the way that how what you have found to be true has affected your convictions, which has affected how you live your life. I, yeah. I really, and that's to learn new things and to change your mind. Yeah. Th- that's good. Yeah. That's what yeah. that's what we all should be doing. Yeah. yeah Especially absolutely. we're all reformed. Like mm-hmm. a, a lot of us are would call ourselves reformed and then we're like, but you know what? In America, we have no need to reform at all of our understanding of race. Yeah. Like we're straight on that. Yeah. Yeah. I love the definition that you put on there, Trev, because it takes it in its varied form. Um, because we we recognize that there there is an individualistic standpoint with it, as well as an ideological and systemic aspect of it. It's racism manifests itself not mm-hmm. in just one way. 
That's that's very that's well said. Up. Absolutely. So going back to all of this data and these statistics, if you're like me, there was a couple of things I used to think about when I heard statistical data like that. And I know that this the the way of approaching the data, right? Like it's it's tough to hear. And so you have to do something with it. Like if you know that data exists, you have to think about why that exists. And so a couple of things that I thought, and I've heard other people talk about a lot, a huge one was, yeah, people are different. Different things are going to happen to different people. What do you want? You want everybody to be the same? You want everybody to make 80 grand a year and nobody can make more than that. You're going to tax it away and nobody, you know, <laughs> you don't have to work all the people who make less than that. And so like everybody, instead of it being like a bell curve of all these outcomes that, that we're talking about, it's just going to be a straight vertical line and everybody's just going to get the same. Like, is that what you're trying to do? Is that what you're saying? It should be the case. What are you trying to say here? Oh yeah. Yeah. And it's creating a false dichotomy. Nobody, mm. all, all the, all, every time it's like this grand picture, oh, well, do you want this thing to be this kind of impossible, non-nuanced kind of really <laughs> not involving humans example? And it's like, no, nobody ever asked for that. And if mm-hmm. someone did, we're not talking about them. We're talking yeah. about the reality where things are different. Qualifications are different. But if we understand that there is a factor that is contributing to disparities in large groups of people, that needs to be addressed. No, we're yeah. not saying that everybody needs to get, just have one salary and, you know, just basically one job or, or at least one person in every field of work. No, nobody's saying that. So can we, yeah. can we dispel ourselves of those kind of straw man arguments and actually just let's talk about the issues let's actually get to the realness of the issues that are presented in front of us yeah no i think that's a good point i i feel like a lot of people come by it super honestly though like people just don't understand the way the statistics work like i know for myself i used to always think like well if i took any random characteristic like what would i get but the reality is like statistically if we're talking about like a random characteristic, like for example, if we decided to classify all people by who has a freckle on the top of their left wrist, okay, and all the people yes versus all the people no, nope, okay, I hope I'm in the good category, and we categorize people differently, like if we studied those two different populations, we should expect that there would be people who excelled and there would be people who didn't. On average, on a large enough population, because that thing doesn't matter and doesn't exist as a, as a meaningful difference in society, the differences would not be statistically significant. And so that's what we're talking about. When you categorize people by this thing that we just said doesn't exist in biological reality, race, this is it. There is statistically significant difference between those populations. We're not talking about individuals. Yes, there are exceptional individuals on the black side, like there's there's really successful and powerful black people and politicians and athletes and etc. And there's also very exceptionally on the left-hand side on, for white folks who are poor and who do not have a lot of advantage. Like there are people on the tail ends of both bell curves, whether it's white or black. The point of the racial disparity, though, is that the entire black bell curve is shifted 
to the left, to the, the, uh, the Mason to stuff the, that you read. It's shifted mm-hmm. to the worst outcome in society. And that's statistically significant. That happens for a reason. And so you can't just say, well, yeah, what do you want? Everyone to be the same. No, I don't want everyone to be the same. I want there to not be a average difference between a black person and a white person populationally in the data because race doesn't exist. And so if it's just normally distributed, you wouldn't expect there to be a, a statistically significant difference. Boom. Yeah. Well, hold on, Trevor. Okay. Pump the okay. brakes for a second. <laughs> All right. Because... I love how Vince in this one is the devil's advocate. <laughs> uh, sure. We we want to acknowledge what you're saying. And, and I think if a person is honest to the statistics, they could po- possibly agree with you. But okay. there, there are some reasons that actually explain this. And race is not the significant factor. Um, All right. One of those is that, Hit me I mean, it. black people can have a complacency or laziness or just lack of ambition and motivation. So you're talking about folks say, well, they're all lazy. Basically. And yeah. This is actually one that I held for a long time or I heard for a long time. Just kind of unquestioned for a while. Yeah. Just like, well, yeah, people do worse in general because they're not working as hard. Like we live in a fair society. So like if you're not getting further ahead, maybe you just you just don't want it. That sounds so hard to hear so, someone say that. Yeah. I think the reason why people are able to think that is because the Proverbs does say that, like, there is foolishness and there is laziness that brings poverty. Sure. The difference there and the important difference I want people to hear is that we're talking about an individual. When I look at an individual, I can say, okay, Joe over here, Joe is poor because I know Joe's character and Joe is lazy. Sure. That's, that is an assessment of cause and effect based on biblical principle. Mm. That's good. You can, you can make that assessment. But to look at an unknown population, which you, the only characteristic for that population that you know is they're black, which, as we said already, does not exist. Yep. That is a made-up categorization, mm-hmm. so there's no, nothing meaningful in that. To then apply a moral judgment on that population— you're basically saying that black people are more lazy than white people. That's exactly what it you're is. You're basically saying that to be black is to be inherently less moral. So now you're vesting this non-existent black thing with a moral categorization. Guys, that's racism. Yeah, yeah okay, I hear that. I hear that point. <laughs> but what, what about black culture? I'm still thinking that race might not be the most significant factor. So what do you say to a person who comes and says, well, they have a culture that embraces gang violence. They have a culture that embraces that kind of laziness, the rap music and the fatherless homes and and all of these other things. These are the reasons inherently that they have built a culture that embraces destruction and poverty. Yeah. So, I mean, Vince, how, what are some of the things that you think of, like, either biblically or historically when you hear some of that stuff? I know you're playing devil's advocate, but you don't have to play that role entirely. Like, well, yeah, this is something that you've had to experience people saying this. Sure. And I have heard these things. And mm-hmm. like you said, there, there, I, I, I grew up in a black environment, obviously. I know a lot of people who as individuals like you said absolutely have ideologies 
that are destructive. Mm -hmm. That's not all of who they are, but I know that their character displays, at least at this point, that they are not seeking to better themselves or anything like that. So for that one individual, that person that I know, sure. Mm -hmm. But the culture itself, one, we have to understand that every culture, black, white, whatever, all are depraved. Yeah. We are all sinners fallen and desiring to do the opposite of what God wants us to do. We don't just want to sin. It's we want to kind of revel in our sin. So why do we say that? Why do we say that culture is depraved? Philip, you look like you're, well, you're yeah, thinking I mean, through that. I think a lot of it is folks just repeating things that they've heard from people that they haven't really thought about critically. Are you saying that like the image of God is somehow less in them or they are somehow more totally depraved or their personal culture is somehow yeah. actually worse that like your yeah. white culture is actually superior to their black culture yeah is that what you're saying exactly because right. that's not great yeah i mean i think that has to be the argument and and like you're saying the flaw in that is culture is a product like vincent was saying culture is a product of human creation and experience and expression and from the mason stuff you have you have slavery you have jim crow and then you're like hey there's there's not equality there some people go well hey that's because they're not working hard enough it's because they're worse it's because mm -hmm. their culture's worse it's because they don't value these things it's like i want to assume i want to take it in faith i want to be gracious i want to hope the best of you i don't imagine that you're a hateful person no. have you considered this at all well i think people are trying to be thoughtful but what we've been told is that we're kind of at war against the world and the culture in the world and so as christians we have to continually kind of fight off cultural influences that are harmful and that the Bible says does lead to disorder and does lead to poverty in ways like in the Proverbs. And so what they're trying to do is use biblical ideas and explain the disparity with that. The problem is like what you're saying, we're saying that these biblical principles apply more detrimentally to black people, once again, a category that doesn't exist. It's so rough. Than man. it does to white people. Yeah. You've seen the uh, Phil Vischer videos, right? The uh, Holy mm -hmm. Post? Yeah. yeah those are excellent, excellent resources. We can link those too. Yeah, let's throw those in the show yeah. notes. Like you said, Phil, I want to be gracious, and I think that there's a, definitely a level of really seeking to not continue to contribute to any kind of racist ideology. But at the same time, not being aware, not being self-aware or not being aware of where these ideologies are being rooted. I know another reason is government help, that the government has given the black community so much that it is basically uh, enabled a black culture to be lazy. What are your guys' mm. thoughts to that? Again, I'm not an expert. I know Trevor's read probably more than both of us on these things. But when I hear things like that, there's definitely resources if somebody has an open mind that I'm happy to point them to, and we may link some of those in the show notes. But mm -hmm. when someone says stuff like that, I go, man, I don't know everything about American history, but it really seems like you just heard your favorite conservative guy say a bunch of stuff, you took it in uncritically, and now you're saying it. Yeah. Because like historically, in our context, in our culture, you're missing 90% of the truth. Yeah. I will give some credit to this argument. 
um, the argument that like, well, government help is causing this problem because it's the only one so far that we've dealt with. And, and all of these arguments was actually, we didn't just pick these out of thin air. They were actually sourced through um, survey data and sociological data of things that people actually say most frequently about why these disparities exist, specifically in the evangelical church. Shout out to Michael Emerson and Divided by Faith. But these are the things that people most often say. And what's interesting is this last one that Vince is, is bringing up. It's the only one that is external as a factor. The other two have all been internal explanations that somehow black people are to blame for their own racial disparity. And when you say that, you are saying that they are inherently worse people than the rest of the population in some way. They're inherently causing a worse outcome for themselves yeah, there's something because about of something their nature. inside them. Yeah, yeah. something about because their Whether nature. it's their culture or their moral approach to life or whatever, and that's racism. It just is. When you believe that there is a way to assign a morality to, to a person based on a non-existent racial category, that's racism. So this, this last one at least is kind of not that. The problem is... It's completely ahistorical. Yeah, that's what I was, like. It seems like nobody's ever kind of read a whole lot. They just probably heard their favorite news person or their favorite pastor mm-hmm. quoting a news person. Because like you can, you can go all the way back to the Civil War. You can look at times where land was appropriated and given to uh, emancipated slaves but then was later taken back either through a all-at-once legal action or through the removal of legal protection or through the removal of troops. They just they got tired of defending the area, and so they left. Um, check out the compromise that brought Rutherford B. Hayes to the presidency, and ultimately it left these people to fend for themselves and their farms, and they were met with armed terrorists who would take that land and give it to white folks. I want to be careful with this. Like the conclusion, it's their culture. Maybe it's something about them or their values or this and that. That could potentially be a feasible explanation if throughout more or less the whole course of our nation's history, the circumstances were the same. Right. And they, they very clearly and very extremely were not. And in a lot of cases, man, like, it's, it's shameful and it's hard. In a lot of cases, like, the Bible was used to justify these things. Right. Not correctly, yeah. I'll say. I mean, we're, we are actual inerrantists here. We believe that the word understood properly is, is very pro-justice. Right. And the other thing about the, the government help, there's an entire book on this called When Affirmative Action Was White, and it just points out different policies like the policies through the New Deal, the way uh, Homestead Act, yeah, well through real estate, Homestead Act stuff yeah. was used to um, give out real estate. Mm-hmm. Um, the way the GI Bill was used Oof. mostly on on white folks to give them the benefits of the education and the yeah. housing help and things like that. There has been constant transfers of wealth through acts the government has done that has benefited white people more and so the question then is where is the data that shows that government help just naturally produces laziness and worse outcomes when it actually what it looks like if we look at the entire history of our country and other countries too you can see this internationally as well that no it turns out the government handouts help 
when you give people money, it helps them. I know this is a hard concept. It helped white folks out quite a lot but, at the at yeah, the start of the like, whole thing. For one example, Social Security. Before in the in the twenties and thirties, majority of people when they reached old age, they were going poor and there was no way to take care of them. Social Security virtually eliminated that issue. Um, it doesn't mean that that there aren't issues here and there For but you can folks. go look out the you can go look up the statistics of the impact of that policy had go go check it out these things actually did help and so the two things is on the one hand you're trying to make an argument that government help hurts and you have all of the counter evidence of that on the one side so you would need to prove that government help in general hurts first which would be a hard thing to just prove generally you might have specific instances but it would be hard to prove generally and then two you would have to prove that black people were net recipients rather than white people in america of government help and that that is patently will not, false that will you will not prove that you because can't. it's false yeah you can't do you that. can't do that right because that's not the way the history works so coming away from all that then vince we we dealt with the two internal things and oh well black people are just lazy or oh black culture just teaches them to value oppositional things and things that aren't going to lead them to success Mm. and then we also talked about well they're just getting handouts so it's hurting them Mm. and we've by looking at scripture what it says about the image of god depravity just thinking through these arguments using our biblical lens and using the historical data kind of shown that those things can't be the answer for why this disparity exists it feels like there is a pretty obvious answer given our history why racial disparities exist. Yeah. It does seem very... And it, it seems like the systems are not uh, for equality, does it? Yeah. yeah. It's... I mean, if if it looks like a dog and barks like a dog and acts like a dog, it's racism. probably a dog. So here's the thing. Honesty is good. Yeah. Honesty is a good thing. So you are not a bad person. You are not necessarily in the sense directly responsible for Jim Crow or black codes or the grandfather clause for voter suppression. For sure. By saying systemic racism is a thing that is a real thing. It's a real thing, statistically proven, statistically supported, and is worth addressing. It is not the end all be all. It is not the archetype of all sin, all things, you know, wrap around racism. But absolutely not. But the one last thing, though, Vince, you say all this, that obviously systemic racism is the answer. But show me the policy, man. Show me the law that says that black people have to be treated worse. You know, you have to show me how that's there active in law right now or else systemic racism doesn't exist. But that's also the thing, too. I hear people say that. Explicitly again, or impl- I've heard people basically explicitly say, "Oh yeah, you can't have systemic racism without laws that clearly well, that say." That was what was told to me very directly. Some folks say that you can't have systemic racism unless you show me that there are laws that say black folks get the rough end of the deal. Period. And it's like, well, in slavery, did that exist? Nope. Yeah. In in Jim Crow, did I mean people had signs up that said like no blacks allowed yeah. this and that, but like did the law say that they had to do yeah. that? The law might have said that for public public works, but no nobody said that for lunch counters and private businesses. Right. So like, that was just a thing a decision just so, people made. Yeah, it's again yeah, we're creating I think this in standard. love I wanna hope the best. I just think that the folks who say these things 
probably just haven't given it a whole lot of thought. Yeah, and I think ultimately what's being what's being said, first of all, can we be for real? Yeah, keep it a buck. That's not anything works in the sense no. of <laughs> just we ha- it has to say white good, black bad. And boom, that's and it has to say that in a law or yeah. at least to that degree for it to be then a systemically or institutional <laughs> racist thing. And then once yeah. it's it has to say that verbatim yeah. and objectively and overtly and then yeah. it qualifies to be racist in that category. Yeah. It's like no. Yeah. Acknowledge the fact that in order to have something be systemically racist doesn't have to overtly say a racist or a racial statement. Right. Well, see, uh, see Serial Season 3. We've talked about that more than once. Yeah. Like, Or see just the U.S. Constitution. The U.S. Constitution includes protections such that the abolishment of slavery can't even be put on the table for 20 years after the government was formed. It has explicit protections for the ability to reclaim fugitive slaves from any other state in the Union, which led to the kidnapping of free black people and in the enslavement of free black U.S. citizens. And it never once uses the word black. It never once uses the word slavery. It never once uses the word slave. So by that definition of systemic racism, slavery itself was not systemically racist. It's just silly. And it's that's a why... self-defeating argument. Mm-hmm. It's a definition really that doesn't work. That the people who are like just just see red when they hear systemic racism i would i'd love to and, and we may, it sounds like we might be actually talking to some folks here yeah down the line who uh maybe don't have the exact same viewpoint as us and getting that. into it yeah, was, absolutely so here's what i want people to consider based on the biblical data of we are all made in the image of god and so there is no natural this group is more immoral than this group necessarily like we're all equally we are all totally depraved before god cultures are broken we also know because of sin that to get past sin so i know there there's probably some people out there too who are thinking this is a sin problem well well they're thinking you know yeah this is a sin problem and it's gonna go away if we just ignore it right because we've already fixed all the issues but but that's not what that's not what scripture says Scripture doesn't say, let the thief no longer steal, and that's the end of it. Like, stop stealing and enjoy whatever stolen goods you do have. (laughs) That's not what Ephesians 4 says. It says, the thief should no longer steal, but rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands so that he'll have something to share with anyone in need. The idea is repentance requires going from taking to acknowledging the taking and reversing the taking. Uh Uh-oh, Trevor, are you saying we should repair these things? I'm saying the Bible says that sin needs repentance. Word. And whatever that looks like, it doesn't look like just, well, ignore it because the Civil Rights Act happened. And one of the ways that we can understand this is we go back to our, our definition of racism at the very beginning of the episode. We're talking about ideologies that construct and maintain these racial differences, this, this hierarchy. Listeners, if you were like me and you were thinking some of these things, if you found yourself blaming black culture for these disparities or blaming black motivation for these disparities or blaming government help for these disparities, do you understand, I hope you understand that like me, 
you held a racist idea. You held an idea that, now I'm not saying you're a bad person, you're a racist. I get that. But you held an idea that there was legitimate racial difference, especially in a downward way, for black people. And, and I would just ask you, if that's the way you've thought about explaining this data, would you repent of it? Hmm. Especially as a believer, if you're an unbeliever, there's so much going on. But like, just from a <laughs> truth standpoint, would you leave the thing that's false and come to the thing that's true? That in light of our history, there are people that we've treated badly and we need to not only stop treating them badly, but heal the wounds that have been inflicted. Help turn those disadvantages into advantages. Yeah. It's a question that we've asked, does God care about justice on this side of heaven? And Mm. if he does, what is our role? We've Mm -hmm. asked that question before, but this is the time to actually ask that question. Okay, if I'm going to embrace the fact that I hold racist ideologies, if God cares about justice on this side of heaven, what do I do? And yeah. it's, it's not to go down, you know, self-deprecation and it's just like, oh, I'm a terrible person and I can't say no. anything because I'm white or black or whoever. It's, it's not any of that. There are no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen. But it is to say what work goes into repentance. Yeah. Just asking that question, Vince, is so key. Being willing to consider this data. And, and honestly, like we said, this data, like we, we said at the very top of the episode, and these explanations for this racial data, not allowing the idea that systemic racism exists, is so tightly held that if you believe differently on that, yeah. it will cost you. So, so I don't want people to downplay, like, most of the time, most people, when they first start thinking about this and come to agree with us on this, they're going to want to say, what do I do? And what I say is just entrust that to God, find ways that you're doing this and reach out, but like, just be ready to, yeah, ca- because you got to kind of count the cost on it. Like we've all, this, yeah, will cost weird. you. Mm-hmm. It, you kind of do need to count the cost, like in the conservative faith community like it is it's not popular right but to believe it and to help explain it to other people when you do hear these misconceptions when you hear these racially charged ideas that are incorrect to just in love come alongside that and and help correct that thinking that's moving from just being part of the problem by upholding the same ideas and thoughtlessly going along with them to correcting them with biblical truth, historical truth, and with love. Yeah. And even that small thing in your circle is huge and it will be costly. It will. hundred percent. Yeah. I also want to say before, before we close it out, I, I understand this is a, this is a lot for, for anyone listening to it. It doesn't matter the 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 race or ethnicity that you are as you listen to this this is this is a lot but if we're on the side of truth and we're seeking to honor god with understanding the truth it's worth at least asking the question can the things that these guys are saying be true and and we start there because if it that, is then we're venturing to say okay what ways of dishonesty am i believing and that i can abandon to gain truth 
which mm. is which is from Christ. Mm. And straight up, like biblically, historically, if you think we're just out of pocket and totally wrong, mm-hmm. tell us specifically why. Don't yeah. come at us with right wing news talking points, but if you think we're missing something historically or we're missing some key, clear biblical concepts, tell us that too. Yeah. We're not saying we're the final word on this. We're just saying we think it's very clear. We think that when we take arguments into consideration, there's biblical holes in the arguments and there's historical holes. And so based on our understanding of scripture and history, this is what the conclusion has to be. Um, and so if you've got other data that contradicts that biblically or historically that you would like us us to consider, we'd love to hear that. Absolutely. Time for some substance shout outs now on a lighter note. (laughs) (laughs) It is on some of our, 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 uh, big heavy episodes here, the transition to our shout out segment. That's systemic racism. So here's some books and stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Vince, Vince, what you got this week for your substance shout out? Boy. So yeah, I know that I have shouted out. Uh, Legionnaire Ministries before, but recently I have been going through um, Dr. R.C. Sproul's overview of systematic theology, and man, it's 20-minute lectures of like, what is theology, the scope and purpose of theology, general revelation, natural theology, special revelation, all of those things, and it's just a very well-done, distilled but potent levels of truth. Is this like links or DVDs or YouTube so videos? What is you this? can go to their website and you can purchase the series and then you can just listen to it online. But then also you could get it as uh, DVDs. Nice. It's a little cool. old school, but I, I'm, I'm thoroughly enjoying it. I've been watching it with my wife and, and we're, we're really enjoying it. That's awesome. Nice, dude. Trev, what you got? Um, for this week, gonna keep it light. Recently, been getting into some outdoorsy kind of stuff, but yeah. So there is a YouTube channel that short videos. It's called Coalcracker Bushcraft. So two words: Coalcracker and then Bushcraft. And his explanations. He's such a good teacher. And what's really interesting to me about just that whole subject of outdoorsmanship is just the knowledge of kind of ways that God provided for us in nature. If you know it, if somebody's passed it down to you, it makes sense. And it's in some ways obvious, but if nobody had ever told it to you, you wouldn't know it. And I think honestly, his stuff is so well produced that even if you're thinking, you're hearing that and you're like, I am not outdoorsy. That's what I'm thinking. That's exactly how you know, Phil. Like, I, how you long am I like? Not an outdoorsman. I'm not an outdoorsy guy. I really am not. And I'm into it. Like, I'm I'm really enjoying it. At least while the temps are cold. And so, even if you have very little interest in the subject material itself, it's just so compellingly presented and kind of fun and short. Like, you can just find yourself really learning a lot of stuff and next thing you know you'll know how to tie like 10 or 11 different knots and you'll have a 20 dollar tarp and you'll be like i'm headed out in the woods i guess <laughs> that's what's up <laughs> so yeah so anyway so, that's my shout out we're way over time here but i also want to shout so out we mentioned him at the top of the show brett mccracken's uh new book the wisdom pyramid published uh through crossway that just came out and I was listening to the audiobook today. I listened through about halfway and really enjoying it. I've always appreciated 
Brett's writing. Basically, it's kind of nearing the food pyramid. So phys- our physical health is based on the food we eat. And his premise in the book is like, so our, our spiritual health and our, our wisdom is based on our knowledge diet. And he kind of just takes that metaphor through the whole book. And it's really good stuff. Like for our physical health, like what we eat and how we eat and how often we eat and the things that we choose not to eat or the, to- the certain times we choose to eat certain things are important. The same thing is true with our knowledge diet. And he just kind of lays out a lot of important stuff, especially for uh, a time not only being in such a connected world, but kind of live in in the pandemic. Um, a lot of our lives are a little bit different. We are spending more time mm-hmm. on screen. So I just thought a lot of the things he had to say were timely and convicting and ultimately encouraging. So shout out to Brett. We're looking forward to having Brett back on here for another substantive cinema here in the uh, not too distant future, hopefully. So we hope you enjoyed our discussion here. I know it wasn't the most pleasant topic, but if you found it to be insightful, let us know. And if you want to join us in your support, the best way to do that is to become a regular supporter on our Anchor page. You can find that in the show notes. You can sign up at Anchor for any monthly amount, whatever works for you, $1, $2, uh, $5, whatever works for you. We appreciate every single one of you who signs up for that. Um, we have a lot of plans here. If any of you guys know anybody, any wealthy people of faith that are looking just for uh, someone to support, send them our way. That'd be great. But uh, anything you guys do, every time someone sends something our way, it really does mean a lot to us. So we have that. And then also uh, you can do a single-time donation on uh, the Cash App. We are dollar sign the substance pod there. And this episode was definitely a conversation starter. Um, so follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at The Substance Pod. There, you can definitely respond to us. Um, if you, like we said earlier, if you thought that we got something wrong or you thought we got something right, if there's something you agreed with, um, if there's something we left out or areas of this particular topic that you want us to continue to address, drop a comment. Um, Drop a picture of, of, of something articulating the points that we made and tag us in it. And just, just let us know what you're thinking, and we'll definitely be interacting there. There you can also find uh, guests that we've had or will be having, as well as giveaways. So definitely interact with us on social media. Send us your thoughts at our email address, thesubstancepod at gmail.com. I know this is a tough one, but if you disagree, please don't just leave it at oh, well, I heard all those guys had to say, and I just don't agree. Let us know why. Um, So send us an email. Or if there's any testimonies or encouragements that you have or like to give, definitely hit us up there. Or you can give us a phone call at 913-703-3883. And give us more of those reviews. We'll be sure to try to read more of those on the show uh, if we get more of those. Absolutely. So guys, once again, thank you so much for dropping by, listening to this engaging stuff. Share it with your friends if you enjoyed it and found it helpful. And we'll see you next time. Peace.
Shout out to Brett. We're actually looking forward to hopefully having him on again pretty soon nice. here for another uh, substantive shit. <clears throat> Substant. Gotta hit the T. Reset. Yeah, and we're looking forward to having Brett Brack on. Good golly. <laughs> <laughs> Brett Brack. <laughs> I'm gonna make the blue for real, it sounds like. <laughs> we're looking forward to having Brett Brack, bro. You know, we want to give it a bow-bow. All right. Just can't look at you. We're looking forward to having Brett back on here for another substantive cinema here in the uh, not-too-distant future, hopefully. One take delay. I don't have to do a punch. <laughs> Woo! You made it.